My name is Ed Frawley. I own Learbird. In today's segment that we pulled out of the Ask Cindy portal on our website, deals with superstitious association as it's related to remote callers. And getting ahead of yourself in training in the application of remote callers. First, I'll explain what superstitious association is. If you have jumped ahead of yourself in your training protocol for a remote caller, and I'll, I'll explain this with an example and it might be easier to understand. Let's say you have your dog running around in the backyard and you've got a dog that digs up your, your wife's uh, or your husband's rose bushes all the time. So you go and you buy a remote collar and you put it on the dog and you turn it up and you wait and you, you let the dog loose and you sit in your living room and you watch your dog run around in the backyard until it gets on the rose bushes and then you push the button. The dog jumps and you think, okay, that's gonna stop him from digging in the garden. No, that's gonna stop him from going to that rose bush but that doesn't mean he's not gonna to go to this rose bush or that rose bush or that tree or over there. You have created superstitious association with this rose bush. So that's generally the wrong way to use a remote collar and it'll come back to bite you. And it doesn't even need to be a rose bush. In this question, you're gonna see that it wasn't a rose bush. It was just a place in the yard where the dog started to sniff the ground, it got stimulated, and it didn't wanna go back near that grass again. So we're gonna talk about that. We're also gonna talk about getting ahead of yourself with remote collars and trying to use a remote collar on too young of a dog before he's ready. And again, this is from the Ask Cindy in the front page, the front portal of Learberg.com. And Cindy's my wife, she gets these questions and answers every day. She answers them every day. So first, let me read this. My question is concerning an eight-month-old working line German Shepherd. She heals very well both on and off leash. I've been using an e-collar with her for more than a month now. So far, all of the e-collar training has been relatively distraction-free. One quirk that puzzles me is a few times now when she's been nosing and smelling the ground during a heel command, I will give her low-level stimulation to correct her for doing that. When we walk back over the same area again, which is usually grassy, she will sidestep that spot that she received the correction from, usually moving behind me or even, a even attempting to move between my legs. Once past that spot, she will move back into the heel position. Should I be correcting her with the e-collar at that point? I've given her an e-collar correction, but not sure how to proceed fairly. So that's superstition, superstitious behavior. It's a situation where two things are going on. Uh, we have a trainer that's very interested in dog training. He wants to do it the right way. 
but he's not taking his dog through the protocol on how to introduce it to a remote collar. So actually what he's probably doing is he's probably hurting his relationship a little bit with his dog. Uh, a little while ago, I did the my 10 rules for using a remote collar. And the number one rule is don't start using a remote collar uh, until you have a good relationship with your dog. Because if you use the remote collar incorrectly, you're going to harm your relationship. And that's the risk you could have here. Uh, here's what Cindy said. What you've done is accidentally created a superstitious association to a specific area with your e-collar. Your dog didn't associate your correction with her behavior. She associated the correction with the grass area that she was standing in. She associated with the location in which the correction occurred, so that's why she's avoiding it. Now, the interesting thing that you can see when you're doing your foundation work and you're establishing your levels on what level of stimulation to use on your dog, we tell you, put the collar on the dog. Of course, you have to go through the period of time, and we'll talk about that in a second here, where the dog has to wear the collar for a long period of time. But you start with level one, level two, and you keep going up until you reach a point or a level where the dog will look around, look at the ground. That's when you can really understand what superstitious association is because the dog doesn't know that the remote collar stimulation comes from you, the handler. It thinks she's stepping on something. And for people that make the mistake of using too high of a level of stimulation, those dogs think they're standing on landmines and they're not gonna go near it. You know, when the level is really low uh, and it doesn't understand it, it's gonna look at it. That's a baby landmine. If it's really high and it really, it really bothers that dog, that's a big landmine and it doesn't wanna go back near it. Now, let me say this, using superstitious association outside for digging, whatever, chewing stuff up outside. It's not a good idea to use a remote collar for that. The only real application that I personally have used it for is if I have a dog that digs in the garbage in the house, I can give it stimulation when it gets in the garbage. And if it has superstitious association to the garbage can, that's fine with me. It stays, if it stays away from that, that's fine with me. But again, I don't have to turn that all the way up to get the message across that you should not be in the garbage. You don't have to be up that far. Cindy goes on, and I'll read what she said. Using the e-collar for healing and things like being distracted with such a young dog is likely confusing your dog. I prefer to use the motivation to keep the dog's attention during the learning phase of healing. She's a very young dog and healing with distraction is a lot to ask from such a young dog. You're ahead of yourself in your obedience training and then you've layered on remote collars, which you shouldn't be doing at that age. 
I wouldn't use the e-collar for complex behaviors with an eight-month-old dog. I'm usually just starting to let the dog wear the collar and conditioning them to it at that age or even a little bit older. So that's a really good point that Cindy has. In the beginning, we want that dog, we want to put the collar on and the collar off and the collar on. We do it several times a day. Let the dog wear the collar for a month or two. Long term, in remote collar training, we want the dog to know that stimulation is a result that comes from us. It doesn't come from the ground. It doesn't come from the garbage can. It doesn't come from the rose garden outside. We want them to know that it comes from us. And there's a progression of training steps to go through this whole thing, where we pair it with a leash and we only use it when the dog 100% understands what we're asking, yada, yada, yada. That's not the purpose of this video to teach you the training steps of how to use a collar. We have training videos on that that go on for hours. And keep in mind that these Ask Cindy questions on our website, when, when people ask a question, their question is recorded under their name. Cindy will answer it. She may ask another question like she's done here. Then when the customer comes back, he can answer that question, but let's say he doesn't come back for six months or a year. Cindy can pull up that customer from our database, review the questions that it asked a long time ago, and review her answers, and it can take off from where it was then. That's why we always have to have uh, the customer's name and email address. We don't sell email addresses to anybody, and we don't spam people with our newsletters unless people okay it and ask to be on it. Cindy goes on and asks, what are the training goals for her? Is she going to be a companion dog only or will she be a working dog in some sort of competitive dog sports? So he goes on to say, when he comes back to that question, she's a companion dog with hopes of hiking, running, etc. when she's old enough. We live in a very rural area but I take her into town three days a week. We train and walk near a busy trail. We keep our distance for now from other people and their dogs. I have zero expectations of her healing in this environment, but apparently I do expect too much from her too soon, as you're saying. She's actually a very level-headed and receptive dog to our training. I just don't want to confuse her out of my lack of training experience. I guess that's where you guys come in a lot. Then Cindy goes on again and says, I think healing is one of the most complex behaviors to teach dogs. There's a lot of things that need to be understood by your dog before you use a remote collar, especially on very young dogs. Uh, an abstract behavior like healing can cause a lot of confusion with a dog that's not had the proper training steps to get to the point where you're going to add the collar. Cindy goes on to say, I break down healing into many small parts. The first thing the dog learns is to stay next to me in a stationary position and then have a look at me. I use a verbal cue for the position and a verbal cue for the focus. 
So if my dog looks away, I can say, no, look. If your, if your healing command covers many different expectations, then you can see how the dog may get confused. And then, if you don't want to teach focused healing, then some of the same rules apply without expecting the dog to look at you. We call this loose leash walking. I hope this makes sense to you. And he came back and said, yes, it makes perfect sense. Thank you for your time and advice. I certainly value it greatly. So we've given you some ideas to think about here. It's very important when we go back to remote collar training to make sure that the dog understands 100% of the time when you give it stimulation that it knows what it's being corrected for. It also needs to know that the correction comes from you. It also, from a trainer standpoint, we need to make sure that the level of stimulation is only high enough to get a behavior change. I've said this again and again, and I say it all the time in my videos. The purpose of, the purpose of a correction is not to punish my dog. The purpose of a correction is to get a behavior change. If you correct a dog above and beyond the level that we would need to get for a behavior change, you're moving into an area of abusing the dog. And in closing here, we recently got involved in supporting a movement in California and New York where animal rights people wanted to put a ban on remote collar training. As far as we're concerned, it's a terrible idea. I did a video uh, just recently on my 10 rules for using a remote collar. As far as we're concerned, remote collars are the best training tool that's ever been devised for dog trainers. They are also one of the most abused tools. That's not a reason to ban them. We don't feel that the government getting involved in us training our dogs has any place at all for anything. It's a terrible idea. So when you hear animal rights people in your area trying to ban these remote collar trainings, go and look at some of the videos we've produced on this and do everything you can to stop it. Animal rights people got ahead of this in Australia and some countries in Europe, and they're paying the price for not having a tool like a remote collar.